I'm going to try and get my phone up here so I can see what time it is. So I only talk about 55 to 65 minutes. <laughs> you guys think I'm joking. It probably is, though. We, I, I want to tell you guys that um, we, had, we took our high schoolers, which is a kind of a tender subject to some of the people in our youth, um, but we just took our high schoolers down to Orlando for, I guess it felt like a while, but it was, <laughs> I guess it was really only a, a one-night trip, right? We, so we got down there. We left here um, Friday morning at like 7, and then we got back last night around midnight or so, and um, Universal Studios has this thing called Rock the Universe, and what they do is they have these different um, Christian bands kind of come in and do um, some kind of concerts and stuff like that. So we had concerts, mainly we went to the, to the Friday night ones, and then, and then roller coasters and everything else in between. And, uh, and what, this is there are a couple of things I think that was, was awesome. One, we took, I think it was 10 high schoolers, is that right? Ten, there was 10 high schoolers and then three old people, Dennis, AK, and me, and... Um, and I feel older and older each trip. <laughs> like, I had a breakfast and dinner of Tylenol. That's how it was for me. And, um, but, but we had such a good time. And the, and the youth were, were tremendous. Bought, a couple of them are here today, which is even better. I mean, I think that's awesome that you guys were up late last night. And, um, and you got here this morning for church. So we had a great time. And I think it's, it's always fun to watch that when we kind of dissect the youth into a little bit smaller groups and then watch the smaller groups interact with each other, um, hang out with each other, have, have fun and stuff like that. And so it was, it was neat to see our group do that and kind of grow closer to each other and then and ultimately hopefully closer to the Lord through that. Um, but then, you know, I think, I guess it was last night we were, we were um, at one of the, they had like three stages, three different like areas in the park where they would have concerts going on. And it was, it was kind of weird because there was like this, one kind of side stage, and kind of, it wasn't the main stage, but it was one of the B stages or whatever. And, um, and there's this Christian artist um, by the name of Carrie Job. I don't know, if you know worship music, you probably have heard her before. We sing several of her songs. And so she was on this like side stage, and, and we went over there, and it was just, it was, I mean, it was just unbelievable. I mean, she is enormously talented. And so what's cool is like, is, is at first, and Andrew Kane and I were talking about this, and Dennis at dinner last night. Where, like, you're caught up in this, wow, this is such good, like, worship music. And you almost forget you're in the middle of an amusement park. And then the other part of that is, um, and, and, and so we're in the book of Acts now. This is our third week. Prior to that, going through most of the summer, we went through the book of Daniel. And, you know, the first book of Daniel, first half is, like, awesome. It's all the great stories that we've heard since we were kids. The second half is all this prophecy and like doom and gloom and oh, beasts with all these heads and oh, craziness, right? And, um, and I, I, I told you guys, I think this a couple weeks ago, that you know, I found myself, I guess it was about three weeks ago now, um, I, I received a phone call from my mom saying my dad was in the emergency room and there was all these kidney issues. And you know, the first night it was doom and gloom. And his kidneys are failing. We don't know what's going on. And so, you know, I'm, I'm amped up about this. You know, I'm, I'm in a season of life as a father who um, my oldest daughter is in the fifth grade. And, um, and every second I look at her, she looks older. Um, and it makes me not happy. 
at all. I mean, one, I don't want to get older, but two, I, 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 I'm in that season of life, I think, right now where I'm trying to find a remote control that I can hit pause and pause everything. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't want to see my parents get older. I don't want to see my children get older. Okay, that's where I'm, I'm kind of at. And then on top of that, we're going through prophecy at church, and I'm like, oh, what little bit of hair I have left is, it, I think it's just painted on now. And, um, and, and in the midst of those things, and, and you look at the world that we live in, you see all this, like, bad stuff. You know, it's so easy for us to just get in this funk where we think, we're, we're it. This is, this is the remnant. This is all that's left. But in that moment, we're on this little side street, and we had gotten there a little right before it kind of started. And it wasn't planned necessarily, but we were towards the front, I guess, and we had to go meet up with some of the rest of our group. And I I turned back, and there's just this street filled with people. And these, I mean, kids, adults, young, old, I mean, hands raised in worship, and it was just such a great reminder that, you know what, it is, we live in a, a very difficult time. And we do live in, um, in a country where it seems as if we're making a lot of poor choices. Um, and, and, and there are ramifications for those choices. But folks, I do want us to be encouraged that we're not alone. We're not alone. That there, there are those who know Christ, those who love Christ, those who worship Christ all around us. And, and so I hope that we just get out of that funk. It's, it's, as a side note, I hope this morning at the end of the service, um, we have some visitors here in the back row over here, and Mr. Gordon is in the process of planning a church too, D3, right? And so we're going we're gonna to pray for D3 um, as they continue. They're, they're meeting in home groups right now. I think about 20 people, 20, something like that. And, um, and, and, and so, and, and they're friends with Bonnie, which we won't hold that against them. <laughs> no, we won't. Do, but, but, but we know what church plants like, don't we guys? And, and, you know, we're, we're almost hitting that two year mark and it's crazy. I mean, every week we don't know last week we had like, I think 16 people up here, right? I think Bonnie, that was what it was. I mean, there was more kids downstairs, but it was a slim crowd today. We're we have more. I mean, we can, we can have some Sundays where we can have 100, 110 people and one uh, Sunday that could have 17. <laughs> that just, that's the way it is. And, and schedules and all that kind of stuff. But folks, remember, like, we're not in it alone. We're not by ourselves. We're, we're even in a community where there's some other great faith families that we need to remind ourselves that they're around and we need to pray for them like they hopefully pray for us. And so, Anyways, hopefully that maybe encourages you, even though I've been the messenger of doom and gloom as of late, but, but we're moving away from the doom and gloom. We're going into the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Acts is one of my favorite books of the Bible, and today's stuff is, is just, it's, it's, it's so rich. And I'm going to just, I'm going to be straight up with you guys, okay? I got very little sleep last night. I think we got in, I think I got back to the house about 1.30, and my alarm went off at 4, and um, and so today, I, I might break out in tongues. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I've had so much coffee today already. We might just have silent prayer while I use the restroom. I don't know. Um, and so if I offend anybody today, it's just the coffee and lack of sleep, okay? And if you're blessed by anything, it's definitely the Holy Spirit, all right? So let's, let's, um, let's read 13 verses here, Acts 2, 1 through 13, and then 
we're going we're gonna to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us out here. All right, so Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5, And now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And as this sound And at this sound, the multitudes came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, the Perithians, the Medes, the Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Pygeria, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya? belonging to Cyrene and the visitors from Rome, and both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocked, said, they are filled with new wine. Let's pray. Lord, this morning I thank you, God, for specifically for this text that we're reading and, and, and studying. Uh, God, I thank you for this, this amazing event in the history of the church. God, I, this morning, I, I come before you in all seriousness, Lord. I, I ask that you allow me to be your mouthpiece. Lord, I, I pray that over the next few minutes as we, as we try and look into your word that This is a time that's not filled with my own thoughts, my own stories, but that we just, we really dig into your word. And we make this morning be built around your holy word. Lord, I I do pray that this passage in particular, it it hits all of us. God, I believe that there are some in the room that need to be reminded of your power. They, They need to be reminded of your amazing work. Lord, there may be some in this room today, they've never accepted you as their Savior. Today needs to be that day. So Holy Spirit, I, I pray, I pray that you change all of us. I pray that we all leave this room today different than the way we arrived. So God, we give you all honor, we give you all glory for what you will do today through your word. It's in your son's beautiful and precious and holy name we pray. Amen. And so if we remember chapter 1, book of Acts, it, it begins the first, we, we, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we, we looked at the first, first, I guess, 11 verses. And Jesus has, this takes place after the resurrection. Jesus, you know, in, in Luke, which is the first volume of this letter, Jesus had died. He was buried. He was resurrected, right? And and, and for 40 days after he comes back, after the day we celebrate Easter for 40, or yeah, Easter, for 40 days, he, he, he's, he's walking the face of the earth. I mean, he's, he is here, he's with the people, he's hanging out with the disciples and, and the, his followers. I mean, he's eating meals with them. He just, for 40 days. And that 40th day is where Acts begins. And the disciples are, are with Jesus and they're together and Jesus gives them this last kind of 
pep talk. And in this pep talk, we, we see Jesus kind of lay out once again the Great Commission. When he tells the disciples Acts 1.8, and really we're going to see Acts 1.8 flow through the entire book of the Bible. And if, if you've not underlined it in your Bible, I would strongly encourage you to do that. But Jesus says there, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power. That one of those key phrases that we see has come upon you. When we talked about that in, um, in that particular instance, we, we discussed how Jesus talks about different, three different ways, three different types of relationships the Holy Spirit has with us. We have the, the Holy Spirit who's there with us at the point of, of conviction when we come to know Christ. We have the, the Holy Spirit who comes in us when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And then this time where Jesus is talking about here, right before he ascends into heaven, where the Holy Spirit will come upon us. And this is this baptism of the Holy Spirit that we're going to see today. But he says, listen, you guys are going to go, and, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And once you get this power from the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so it's a great commission laid out. In that, when we talk about this real quickly, we talked about our um, Acts 1-8 Christmas project that we started. And we're going to be doing this all through, in some instances, all through the rest of this calendar year. We have three ministries that we're, that we're working to help support. One is local here, our, our Jerusalem, the, the Women's Crisis Pregnancy Center, where we're collecting diapers and wipes. We're going to have a baby shower for them sometime probably between, um, how, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, we have another ministry that we've been dealing with from, um, we started working with this time last year called the Timothy Initiative. It's a church planning mission organization. And David Nelms came and spoke here in June. And we were able to raise last year $1,200 that was used to help plant, I believe, up to eight churches in Nepal. So we're going to do the same thing. That's, that's another organization that we're going we're gonna to partner with. And the third one is um, this um, Operation Christmas Child, where we're going to be collecting toys and little trinkets and things like that that you can put in the shoebox, and that will be sent over to a, a child who's in desperate need. And, and that's, the goal of that is, is, uh, is twofold. One, to help us see Acts 1-8 today in our community, in our faith family. Help us to look at Christmas this year differently through this idea, through this lens of Acts that we're studying. Okay, we want this to be really applicable to us. That's what's so amazing for us as a faith family. We're at two years old, as still in the infant stages of a church, that we get to go through the book of Acts verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and see this. And so, so we talked about that. After, after Jesus gets done saying this, he, he begins to ascend into heaven, and the disciples are staring at Jesus as he gets in this cloud. And, and I don't know about you guys, we have a lot of young kids at our church, a lot of them. Um, <laughs> And, and even, even the parents of our teenagers can probably recall those days when the kids were younger. One of the Clements, our favorite things to do is we really like Disney. Like a lot, a lot, a lot. Disney's one of those experiences that you see like every, every um, type of behavior your child possesses, you'll probably see in that trip. You'll see the good, you'll see the bad, and you'll see the ugly, right? And, and throughout that day, it's like, a, it's like a roller coaster of emotions, and they go through it. And I don't know what your crew looks like at the end of the day, but, you know, at Disney, it ends with, like, the fireworks, right? And, and so by the time that fireworks hits, like, the kids are sitting on the curb, their hair's a mess, they got, like, cotton candy on this side, popcorn on this side, and 
everything. It's just a mess, right? Cheeks are red because it's still hot outside. And then the fireworks go off. And then their faces, they like light up. You know, they see the beautiful bursts and it disappears only to see it again. And, and, and some of my favorite things to do is not even to watch the fireworks, but to watch my kids' faces. I, I, I imagine that the disciples looked very similar at the ascension of Christ. As they see Jesus, the one they had spent three and a half years with, the one that they had, they, had, they had learned from, the one that they had loved, the one that they had seen go through this horrific death, but not just a death, they seen him conquer death, come back to life, and then sit around and talk about it. This one rabbi of theirs, this teacher, this one that they loved, as they watch him ascend into heaven, I'm, I'm sure their faces were just filled with amazement. And then... At some point, as the cloud gets to a point where they can no longer see it, those angels show up and remind the disciples, what are you guys looking at? What are you standing here looking at? Jesus gave you a command, go do it. He'll come back, go do it. And so they're told to go back to Jerusalem. So they all go back. And and that last section that we read last week from from 12 through the end of of the the chapter 20 or verse 26, there's this, this, the disciples are all together. And it's not just the disciples, but the Bible tells there are about 120 people. It's the disciples, their wives, Mary's there. It's the last time we see Mary written in in, in the New Testament. So we, we, people, about 120 followers of Jesus they're all gathered together in this upper room. And some people say, well, maybe this is the same upper room that Jesus and the disciples met together for, for the Last Supper. But more than likely, it's not. If there was 120 of them in this room, it was probably located in one of the chambers of the temple. And so they're gathered together. And they know that Jesus made a promise. And Jesus has always been good on his promise. They just witnessed the resurrection. And so they know that this Holy Spirit's coming. They don't doubt it, but, but there's going to be a span of 10 days from the point when Jesus ascends into heaven and the Holy Spirit finally comes. Folks, that's the longest span those disciples will have gone through where they've been separated from Jesus. Right? I mean, if you think about it, um, Jesus, you know, when he died, he died Good Friday by Easter Sunday. He's back at it, isn't he? I mean, and then for 40 days, he's making these appearances. He's around them. They're hanging out with them. They're learning from them, all this stuff. But now for 10 days now, there's this, this separation. They're, 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 they're waiting for this. And, and, and I can only imagine that in that time period, they know he's coming. They're huddling together. And I think this paints this beautiful picture of this beginning stages of a church. I, I think of, our, our, like, as we mentioned, this D3 church right now that's in the process of planting. And, and right now they're just, they're forming in these home groups exactly what the disciple, what these, the early church is doing here. Like they're just hanging out together. They're, they're, they're together. They're praying. They're, they're eating meals together. It's exactly Redemption Hill. That's exactly what we did before we started here. We would get together on these Wednesday nights for, for those who remember, we would just, we would, we'd go to my in-laws house and we would just hang out. We would eat meals we would break up and the kids would go do some, some Bible study together. The youth, we'd go out and we'd do some Bible study. The adults would pray for the kids, for the youth, and then they would do... That's exactly what's going on here. Like they're, they're together in this upper room and they're waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting. They know he's going to come. There's this anticipation, but day after day after day, and he's not there. And I think in the midst of it, as much anticipation as there is, that's, that's boiling, it's a reminder of those disciples that they need this power. There's something absent in their lives that they need. 
And so finally, and I love the way this is described, the disciples and all are, they're, they're in the midst of this prayer. And this sound fills the room. It, it uses this description of a wind. Now, it's, it's not a literal physical. I don't think they could feel the wind because it, the Bible describes it as um, this sound like a mighty rushing wind. I don't know if anybody's ever been near a tornado before. But when you hear that tornado coming, it's like this locomotive sound. And that's what I have to believe. Like that's the sound these disciples hear is this, in, in those 120, this, this intense, loud sound fills the room. It, it's interesting that the, the Greek word here for wind, Hebrew word in the Old Testament for wind is the same word used for spirit. One of, I think, the coolest stories in the Bible is in Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel talks about this time when, when um, the wind, the spirit of God, the ruah of God filled this field and there's this valley of dry bones. And as the spirit of God went over this valley of dry bones, these bones came back to life. Like that's the same spirit. And in, 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 this, in this, that, that same picture of the Old Testament, that, that valley of dry bones is this picture of this, this spiritually dead Jerusalem, Israel. And here we have this picture now where this spirit once again fills this room and, 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 and brings this new life. This next example, this other way in which the Holy Spirit showed itself, we have this sound of the wind, but then you have this picture of fire. And what, this is what's interesting, at least what I find interesting. In, in this compartment, leading up to this point, typically when you saw faith, it was often seen as, um, as a corporate in nature. This idea of fires, it, all throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, you see typically signifies the presence of God. Okay, um, the, one of the, the first example we can think of it back in Genesis is Moses. You guys remember, he gets away from Egypt. He's, he gets married. He's working for his father-in-law. He's a shepherd, and he sees something burning. What was it? The bush, right? So that's the, that's the first time we really see this presence of God in the, in, in the format of fire. And we'll see it all throughout the Old Testament in, coming in here. But you see this one example. This is what's cool about this particular thing. Because we see this, this shift, this change, where it goes from corporate into individual. Because that one flame splits to where the Bible says it was like tongues of fire above each of their heads. And that signified this Holy Spirit, this presence of God, this presence of God available to us individually. That we have the ability to possess, we have the opportunity to possess the Spirit of God within us. That's powerful, folks. And so there's this rushing wind-like noise. There's these tongues of fire that are dancing above their heads. And then they begin to speak these languages. And I believe Luke is very specific in this. There's a whole list. I believe it's like 15 different groups that are identified there. The whole list. And the reason I, don't, I think it's, he's specific in this is that we understand that these guys weren't just speaking gibberish. They weren't just hollering wackiness. They were speaking known languages. And so we have this occurring, what I, what I believe is in the temple, going on during this feast. Now, backing up quickly, we know this day is Pentecost. 
Now, some of us might think Pentecost was given the name the, the day that the believers there, the Jewish believers received the Holy Spirit. But Pentecost was actually, it was a feast. Okay, we go back in the Old Testament. So we have, there's several feasts, but I would encourage you, go back maybe this week and read Leviticus 23. Okay, Leviticus 23 gives you this, these details of, um, of these different feasts. In these three main feasts that we see that we'll reference today, we see the work of Christ identified. Uh, the first is Passover, <clears throat> the Passover feast. Passover feast, when we look at it to the day of the disciples' time right here, Jesus, um, it's a picture of Jesus, the lamb that was slain. Jesus would be that ultimate sacrifice for us, so the Passover. And then after the Passover, you have the, the Feast of First Fruits. Okay, the Feast of First Fruits would occur, uh, and, and understand this, the Sabbath, when we read about the Sabbath, that was the seventh day of the week. Okay, it was the last day of the week. The, the, the Feast of First Fruits would take place on the first day of the week. In this Feast of First Fruits, the, the priests would take grain from their first harvest. And this would be viewed to be presented as, as, as an offering to God, uh, just as we see Christ's resurrection being the first fruit. But then you have this, day of, this, this Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks, it's, it, would, it occurred 50 days after. The word Pentecost means 50th. And when they would arrive, instead of the priest having this grain, he'd have two loaves of bread. It signified it coming together. It signified this idea of unity. What we see in the book of Acts is this. That first loaf of bread represents this specific day of Pentecost, the, the day in which the Jewish believers there received the Holy Spirit. That second loaf of bread could be a symbol of the Gentiles later on. We get to Acts chapter 10, we'll see that the, the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit in Cornelius' home. And, and so this idea of two loaves coming together paints this beautiful picture. These, my father-in-law Steve and I were talking about this two or three weeks ago. One of the things I think that we in our day and age, I, I, I think that we miss out on is the beautiful picture that these feasts tell about. It's interesting um, that Jesus, throughout his whole life, would celebrate these feasts. Um, one of the things I, I hope to do at some point in time, I'd love for us as, as a family to be able to go through what a Passover supper was like to understand, to see the symbolism, to understand. We, we read about these things in Scripture, but sometimes we just, we read over it so quickly. It's just a, it, for us, sometimes it's just a mark on a calendar, a reference point, but, but to understand what they were doing, why they did it, what it meant, what it signified. There's so much rich heritage and, 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 and stuff that we can glean from this. I hope we begin to do that. And so we have this, all this stuff going on. The disciples and those that were there are speaking these languages and because we have this feast going on, this feast of Pentecost, people were traveling. People would travel into Jerusalem to celebrate this. this the, the feast of weeks or the feast of Pentecost was typically the most, um, the largest gathered feast. And much of it had to do with the season in which it would take place. The, 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 the Passover would be typically like mid-April. So this would occur in June. So the conditions were easier for the people to travel to. So you have this massive amount of people. The, the table is set. This is the perfect opportunity for the coming of the Holy Spirit. There are 
thousands of people in Jerusalem, people from all foreign lands. And so all of a sudden they're out in the courts and they can hear this rushing wind. And all of a sudden they begin to hear these people speaking their language. And they, they make this statement. I thought these guys were all Galileans. The Galileans weren't known to be extremely smart. But yet they're speaking these languages and they understood it. The people understood it. Now, be careful to understand, these, these, those who are speaking the language, we don't know they were all speaking. It doesn't say that every one of them were speaking. But they weren't, sometimes people will, will misinterpret this and say that they were preaching. They weren't preaching. What they were doing, this is important, what they were doing is they were glorifying and they were praising God. They were praising God in these other known languages. This is, again, we referenced the Old Testament in these, um, with these feasts and things like that. And we reference the Old Testament with this idea of the wind and the spirit with Ezekiel. But there's another great comparison and contrast when it comes to this idea of language. Here in Acts versus, if we were to go back into Genesis chapter 11 to the Tower of Babel. At that time, you have these men that are gathered and in an act of rebellion against God begin to construct this tower with the hopes of reaching heaven. It was this statement in which, you know, if they could get to heaven to see God, it would almost make them like a God. And so there's this great rebellion against God going on. And so God ultimately goes and he creates this confusion. He scatters them up by changing the languages so they begin to talk and no one understands anything. So they, get, they scatter, they go out. But here, here when, as the Holy Spirit's coming, as, as this enormous railroad-like sound of wind fills the room, as, as tongues of fire are dancing over the heads, and as they begin to utter these languages, rather than scatter, rather than divide, it unified. It unified the people. And they weren't, as they were in Genesis, they weren't proclaiming their own greatness. Rather, they were singing praises to God. To me, this is an amazing story. We see this term here. It's also referenced in, in the Gospel of John where the disciples are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptism in, in John, John himself makes this declaration. He says, I baptize with water, but there's one coming who baptizes with the Spirit, who baptizes with fire. I believe that's a prophetic statement. That's a statement pointing to the day of Pentecost. And in this as we read here, these, they're being baptized with the Holy Spirit. But here's, here's where I want us to just get real with each other. If you're like me, you read this, and you're like, oh, this is so awesome. This is so cool. Like, what an amazing picture. I, mean, I, can, I, can, I can see it. It's so awesome. But like when I got saved, there was no rushing wind. I mean, there was no dancing fire over my head. What, what gives? We're going to read some amazing stories. We're going to see how, how next, in the next two weeks, we're going to see how this translates into this power in which the disciples were able to do what Acts 1-8 said. They were able to go to Jerusalem. We're going to see Peter preach this message where over 3,000 people come to know Christ. We're going to see the, uh, the, the church explode. Folks, I'll I, I tell you this. I believe this. In James, the Bible tells us, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite verses, in fact, Turn to James real quick. Very end of James. 
and, and maybe this is just for us today. Maybe it's for you today. Maybe you might want to underline this circle, whatever. But, but James 5, 17 says this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Uh, your translation that you may use might be, Elijah was a man just like us. You know, sometimes we read these, we read the Bible, we read these amazing things, and we can begin to turn it into this Hollywood production. And we think we believe these things, but we just view it as stuff that Hollywood produces, and we forget that this stuff really happened, and the same power that the Holy Spirit will deliver here is available today. And we read these stories, and we think, wow, what great significance. But I'm just regular Joe. I mean, I, there's nothing fancy in my life. There's nothing, I'm not changing the world. I mean, I've not experienced any of these fancy things. And I, I think if we are not careful, we can go back to Genesis 11 and be like those people who were constructing the Tower of Babel, where we feel like we have to build our own significance. We have to construct all these things in our lives. We have to do whatever to attain our righteousness rather than be like those in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 who, who were simply gathering together, praying and seeking, and God showed up. See, that's a, that's a funny thing about pride. And if we're all honest, we're all susceptible to it. I, uh, as a pastor, guys, I, 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 I will tell you this. I know for certain God allows Sundays like last week where only 16 people will show up to keep me in check. I mean, to, for God to say, Chad, you're, you're just a fool. I mean, it's not about you. It's not your eloquence. You all know that. <laughs> I mean, you are good looking, but I mean, it's not because of... <laughs> but God... God God uses those moments to remind me, like, listen, what, what, what is this all about? Who, 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 who are we doing this for? What are you trying to build? Rather than just say, listen, be faithful. Be, be faithful. Pour your heart out to me in prayer. Seek me. You know, build a faith family together. You do life together, and I will show up. I promise you. And I will show up in ways that you can't even imagine. But the problem is we get in the way of it. We try and build things, and that only causes us to be disappointed because it doesn't turn out the way we envision it. Isaiah 50, 55, 7, and 8. I love it. I love it. I love it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. And that's what we see in Acts. That's what we see here. Like, they got it. They understood it, and they just stayed, and they allowed God to work. And because they did, he will use them in such amazing ways. And that's my prayer for us. It's my, I, I, I ask and I beg you, if you utter a prayer for me, that you utter that prayer for me, that I just remain faithful to God. It amazes me. Guys, I, I really, I, I think I shared it to you last week. One of the most tragic things I think I see in the church today is this reckless pursuit to be relevant. Um, I, in fact, I, I, I think relevant should be a four-letter word because we build these things, we construct these models, we think if we have and there's nothing wrong with strobe lights and fog machines, but we think if we have these components, 
then that will bring people here. And this is what I know. When Luke wrote Acts, there were no strobe lights. There was no Facebook. There was no mass marketing. It was simply people filled with the Holy Spirit that God used. We, we have a mission statement at our church. We exist to see souls saved and lives changed. Folks, the only way that's accomplished, only way, is through the Holy Spirit. That's it. There's no other way. Now, now that doesn't mean that we just sit back here and we don't do anything. I mean, God will show up. God will move us and drive. I promise you, as we gather together and pray through things, God will show us where we got to go, where we need to do things we've got to do, whatever. He'll reveal himself to us. And it means us doing like 1-8. It means us getting up out of our seats and going to Jerusalem, going to Judea, Samaria, and ends there. It will at some point require action. But I think the first part becomes reliance on the Holy Spirit, and a God who loves us, and a God who wants to empower us. We just got to stay out of the way. Um, one of the things, I'm going to end with this. We, we um, last week, as we talked about this idea of, of Acts and, and the disciples gathering together, and for those 10 days, they just, they did life together. I mean, they, they, they ate, they slept, they prayed together, but they prayed they prayed. They prayed. For us, one of our core values that I shared with you back in June was that we're passionate about prayer. I, I will tell you this. At the stage that we are in a church, our core values are things that I, I hope and pray that we become. And I want us to, as a faith family, it's, it's one thing. We can have a whole list of cool, catchy catchphrases and say this is who we are, but if it isn't really who we are, it doesn't mean a whole lot, does it? And, and I think sometimes we need to give opportunity for this to occur. So we're, we're starting um, a thing on the, the last Sunday evening of each month um, called the Upper Room. And all it is is this. It's nothing fancy. I mean, don't, uh, please don't come expecting this grandiose, like, amazing whatever. It, it, guys, it's, it's going to be a night of prayer. It, if it's just me here, it'll, that's fine. I'll pray. If it's two or three of us here, we'll, we'll huddle up right here and pray. If it's groups of us, we may break up some weeks into small groups in different corners of the church. We, we may gr- hold hands and as one big circle pray. We, there might be, every once in a while, we might sing a praise song. We'll read scriptures of that. But guys, the majority of that evening is going to be just focused in on prayer. Like, like prayer that, 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 that God works in our individual families, as we're in our marriages. Guys, you've heard me several times get up here and, and talk about this, you know, same-sex marriage and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's great for us to bark against other things, but if we're not trying to strengthen what God has ordained, then we're just as bad as everybody else. And so we need to pray for our own marriages. We need to, we need to pray for, uh, for parents that we raise kids and not screw them up too much. At least the Clement kids. I mean, <laughs> y'all need to go downstairs and lay hands on them, okay? Um, but, but, but we need to pray for that. We need, we need to pray for our faith family as we take steps forward, as we, as we continue to look at opportunities, as we, as we figure out what ministries we, we should do, what things we shouldn't do. We need to pray about those things. We, we, we need to pray that, that, that on, on, on a Sunday night that God takes his word that was spoken and sang in the morning is melting hearts that evening. 
We, we ought to be praying for those who maybe visited that Sunday or those who will be coming the following Sunday. We need to be praying for the, the relationships that God has placed us in in our workplace with people who don't know Christ, who more than likely won't come into a church first to hear Christ, but they'll listen to you. Okay, I, I, we need, I, my heart is I want our core value to be something more than just a statement on a piece of paper, but I want us to come together, young, experienced, whatever. We come together and pray, 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 and see how God reveals himself to us. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, um, God, uh, just so much, um, so much, Lord. I, I, it's, it's such an awesome passage, God, and I know I did not do it justice. We could spend weeks looking at these 13 verses. We could break down what you meant by wind, what you meant by fire, what you meant by the spoken word. We could talk about being baptized in this spirit versus being filled in the spirit. There's a lot we can talk about. And God, I don't know where we are all at individually, but God, I, I pray, I pray that that something connected with each of us today. For some of us, we know we've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. We, like, we know that we're saved. We know that you've, you've come into our, our lives. We've trusted you, but our, our spiritual tank's on empty right now. We're running on fumes. A lot of that is, God, we're just trying to do it ourselves. And we just maybe needed that reminder that we need to rely on you. We just, we, we need our spiritual tank refilled. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that for those who, who, who find themselves there, that you, that you right now, God, begin to just fill them, strengthen them, encourage them, lift them up, whatever it might be needed, just that you work. And God, I pray that if there's one here today, one that, that came here in just an absolute honesty would say, I, I know there's no Holy Spirit in me because I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. God, I pray that you convict them. I pray that you, that you do whatever it takes to get a hold of their heart. So Holy Spirit, just, just work as only you know how to work. In your son's name we pray. Amen.